welcome to episode 349 of Retro Encounter RPG Fans Podcast of Many Topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and uh, you know what, we'll just go straight to the introduction. I'm joined today by Peter Treasonberg. Pop, pop, peanut butter, butter pops. All right, I'm glad you got that out of your system now. Yes. And not somewhere <laughs> later in the show where it would be more challenging to edit out. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> now, Peter... Um, Halloween is in a couple days at the time of this posting, and so well in advance, uh, you and I wanted to do a horror game of sorts for this time slot, because uh, you and I have done a couple of these before. Um, uh, earlier this year in February, we recorded an episode on Little Hope, which is a, uh, a super massive horror adventure game, and way back in 2019, which is technically four years ago, but feels like 400 years ago, we did an okay. episode. Yeah, exactly. We did an episode on Until Dawn, also by Supermassive Games, which was a uh, bit of a sensation um, horror adventure game uh, that uh, was really popular on Twitch. A little bit more specific than Little Hope. It, it was uh, it, it was about a bunch of teenagers uh, in a ski lodge uh, um, that were that ended up being accosted by monsters. Mm-hmm. Oversimplifying it a lot, and this uh, we decided. To create a third podcast for that trilogy, it would fit in beautifully with our autumn of adventure that I've been recording the past month. We're doing Supermassive Games' most recent adventure horror game, The Quarry. It came out earlier this summer to uh, pretty decent reviews, and when we were deciding on what game to play for our Halloween episode of Retro Encounter, I think we, we, we tossed around a couple names, but sort of thought, you know, I think we'll have the most fun with this one. Is is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think that is a fair assessment. You know, it's it's very relatively recent, um, so it's got it's got kind of got a fresh. Um, it was something I've been looking forward to playing for a long time, and it definitely fits in with um, our past couple recordings being by the same developer. Yeah, and I, I conveniently was able to get it on a bit of a sale, so I didn't have to blow uh, a full sixty or seventy bucks on it. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the previous episodes in this mini series of ours. Uh, before diving right into the quarry, um, in 2019, um, that uh, Until Dawn episode was almost all you because my uh, copy that I had uh, was faulty and I could I only got to like partway through chapter one before the game crashed on me. Uh, but I should I should tell you that in the intervening years, um, especially after I enjoyed Little Hope so much, more on that later, I played Until Dawn finally for the uh, earlier this year. I don't remember exactly when I um, I think April or May and uh and you know now I really know uh the the horror of a Wendigo <laughs> and um and the surprise of seeing like the character Mike in that game go from being sort of an unlikable douche to kind of an action hero. Woo! Yeah, I'm glad you finally went back and played it. Yeah, no, until Dawn, until Dawn is terrific and um it also and it, aside from being the game that puts super massive games on the map like you said earlier it became like this this streaming sensation. It just sort of hit at the exact right time as as that medium was blowing up. And so I feel like Supermassive's been kind of chasing that high ever since. Yeah, they're leaning into it. Um, all of their games since have sort of asymmetrical multiplayer or streaming-enabled features. Um, all of them have uh, decision-making to to a degree or or like dialogue choices uh so there's options to have uh to have um 
like people who are kibitzing in the official channel uh, to vote on decisions. Mm -hmm. um, uh, when we played Little Hope, Hope well, um, well, let me talk about Until Dawn a little bit more. Um, I, when, I, when I finally got to play it, it, uh, it, it took me a while, mostly because as I've established in multiple episodes in the past, I'm a giant baby when it comes to horror games. <laughs> um, I, I like, like jump scares sometimes legit scare me. And if a game is just full of stress and tension, um, it makes me anxious and it, and I have to take a lot of breaks when I play. Uh, Until Dawn is a game that's, I don't know, maybe maybe 10 to 12 hours and it took me like two weeks to play it it's it has a lot of jump scares that is it is it is definitely that kind of like interactive haunted house um type of horror is is the kind of thing that they go for well, well and the thing is and uh, the jump scares don't bother me so much as anticipating a jump scare like there's mm -hmm. portions where, where mike has to walk through an abandoned insane asylum and i just I just didn't like that. I would, I would, I like, like just, you know, I'd be walking through that asylum for 20 minutes. Then I would pause and do something on my phone for 30 minutes. Like it was, it was sometimes a real slog. <laughs> yeah. I was to say that's by design too. Cause the, the jump, the jump scare is actually the release of tension when it comes to, yeah. and when you're properly building atmosphere, like, yeah. So I definitely get that. It's uh, it, it's, it's, it can be very unpleasant if you're not into that or accustomed to that. Yeah. And, but like the, the, uh, the act of a jump scare or horror imagery don't bother me at all. Cause I, I mean, I've, uh, Oh boy. I've played so many Castlevania games and so yeah. many, <laughs> and so many games with like, uh, horrifying, grotesque monsters to play, uh, to fight against. And uh -huh. that'll, yeah, you beat demon souls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like maybe I'll go, Oh, that's gross. But then, and that, that won't bother me, but the, the tension of traipsing around a haunted house kind of does bother me. So that, that like horror is not a genre I do very often, but I do like self-aware, uh, uh, parodical or subversive horror. Like I genuinely love the movies, uh, get out and cabin in the woods and, and scream are three that I use, uh, often in mm -hmm. an example like this. Ooh, good choices. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, until dawn was fun. I really liked it. I screwed it up at the end. Uh, there's, I think eight main characters in until dawn and going into the final chapter, I had six out of eight alive. Uh, so it was definitely not a perfect, mm. definitely not a perfect run, but I messed up the final decision and ended up killing everyone but two. So, oh no, it yeah, happens. Only, Did you yeah, blow up the house? Did I you... blew up the house. Early. <laughs> I blew up the house early. So only two people got out. Uh, oh shoot. I forget their names. I think, I think one of them was, was Chris, the guy with the glasses. Yeah. Yeah. And, that sounds uh, about right. I mean, they're, they're kind of generic every character. So it's not a big deal if you don't remember like their, their specific names at this point <laughs> yeah well i remember i remember chris saved and i and like all i really wanted in that game was to save chris and ashley who was the girl who chris had a crush on but uh -huh. i only got half of the power couple uh, made made it out of there until but, dawn also has a couple like gotcha moments where like you could like it's a 50 50 shot if you go to, if you go the wrong way yeah it's just an automatic death oh yeah like uh, i remember one death was because i made some bad choices about uh uh, about QTEs and and taking shortcuts, and then I I got one death because you know I I gave the flare gun to the wrong person it was kind of uh, kind of or something similar to that I won't say exactly mm -hmm. what it was but but anyway so I got burned a little bit by Until Dawn, um, but I still was intrigued by the kind of game it was so uh, we ended up doing a playthrough of Little Hope earlier this year I think we played it in January and the episode is February sounds about right um, but we were able to do that uh, with a full multiplayer run over a couple sessions you and i together and mm -hmm. uh this is a game with a, a team of five survivors going through a uh 
a, a town that you know has a connection to the Salem witch trials or or, or similar witch trials of of that era, and uh, like we would take like the game would have us control two different characters in the same scene or or take turns making the major decisions, and it, it did a lot of smart, fun multiplayer stuff. We also did not make it out of there clean. We had two survivors out of five. <laughs> um, yeah, but listeners, you can uh, listen to that episode to hear us go through that experience in its entirety. And but I had a really really good time, and I think that it, for me it was kind of like watching a horror movie as part of a group rather than alone, where where like the tension was diffused some somewhat because I could talk to someone while it was happening, and uh, and it just made for a fun communal experience for you know the usual fun communal experience reasons. Like mm-hmm. this was a game that I mostly liked, even though I'm not a horror guy, but it was enhanced by the multiplayer. So we went oh, yeah. in, yeah. So we went into the quarry. With a similar idea, because we knew we knew this was the uh, the Until Dawn successor, and and not a and not a Dark Pictures game, so it was going to be a little longer, and the cast was going to be a little larger. But we thought we could have you know an experience like Little Hope again, but it didn't quite work out that way. Yeah, unfortunately, we had a bit of a time trying to get this. For one thing, we had a bit of a time even getting into a multiplayer session, because as it turns out, it doesn't work between the PS5 and PS4 versions of the game. Yeah, you need that. Everyone needs to be playing the exact same version, even though I think you were playing the PS5 version on PS5, and I was playing the PS4 version on PS5 because mm-hmm. the PS4 version was was on sale. It's exactly why I did that. It ended up being really screwy. I had to go into my PC and buy the PS4 to PS5 upgrade, which was only like ten bucks. It wasn't. It wasn't a big deal. Yeah, I'm glad that they included that option because otherwise. Uh, otherwise, it would have been a much more expensive endeavor. Yeah, we we, we would have we would have probably switched games if I wasn't able to do that uh, mm-hmm. that easily. But um, and then we were able to get that going, and we played through the prologue. But uh, the only option for multiplayer, it turns out, is one person playing and other people either voting or observing. It, it didn't have the simultaneous multiplayer with uh with, with taking turns on the big decisions and dialogue points like Little Hope did. Um, so, uh, we did the prologue chapter, which was a good time and we'll go right into that prologue chapter soon, but it wasn't exactly what I wanted following little hope. So I, we decided to go our separate ways and each play through, uh, the quarry individually, which I did finishing, um, uh, let's say less than eight hours ago. Like I, I, I finished <laughs> it very, very recently. I will, I will hopefully, um, remember all of the important names because they're pretty fresh in my mind right now. But there is a, a, a very strong possibility that I will not call Caitlin by her name and just say Brenda Song over and over. I mean, honestly, that's valid. We can just refer referring to them by the actors is definitely a way that I navigate sometimes. <laughs> I, I mean, I can be like that too. But for I think for this game, it'll it'll only be for that one character. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> So and I and I promise that I'm not uh, sounding under the, under the weather because I beat the game so recently. <laughs> there is a there is a bit of a bug going around uh, where, where I live, so I have uh, I am indeed very stuffy of nose and or, and hoarse of throat. So, uh, <laughs> but but it, it was not because I stayed up all night beating the game. I was up a little late beating the game when I was already a little sick. But these are the kinds of decisions you make when you uh, run a podcast. Yeah, honestly, the, the the needs the needs of the podcast outweighs the needs of the sickness. Uh, that is patently untrue, but sometimes I do follow that advice anyway. 
Yeah, honestly, yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. But I'm, gl- I'm glad we're doing this anyway. Hope you feel better soon. Oh, oh no, I'm, I'm glad we did too. Because, uh, uh, spoiler alert, I thought the quarry was really good and really fun. Um, mm-hmm. oh, oh, I but, enjoyed this game a lot. Oh, but one last thing. Um, we talked about this a lot in the Little Hope episode earlier this year. Uh, when we recorded, uh, we knew that we we talked about Supermassive's catalog a little bit. How they had a big splash with Until Dawn. Then they had the Dark Pictures Anthology series even though they were published by different groups and like a a small VR game here and there. But we weren't sure how successful the Dark Pictures games were. They they came out every year around Halloween and they were a short experience, like five hours or less. That was like a horror movie or horror miniseries uh, as you played each one. But we didn't know um, if they were going to continue making them or how well they were doing. So there was some speculation in that episode on our parts. But then, I kid you not, uh, something like a month after we recorded, uh, Supermassive filed for six trademarks. Yeah, they announced that they're doing the second season, and then they hit trademarked like a whole bunch of different titles. So I think it's safe to say that we will be getting more uh, Dark Pictures games down the line, um, and their deal with Bandai Namco must be going fairly well. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know exactly their numbers, but they uh, their trademarks included four or five more Dark Pictures games coming after 2022 because the uh uh was it is it called the devil inside or the devil the, within the, the, the devil in me yeah the that's the, me, that's yeah. the that's the next one it's out in november right so the, the 2022 one was already known but they announced uh several more to be in 2023 and beyond as well as the quarries the first time we got that name although i think it's it's official na- uh announcement and trailer and more came a little bit after that mm-hmm. but uh but, but you know in Early-ish 2022, it became very clear that the Quarry was going to be a successor game to Until Dawn, similar in structure, and and, and we were getting more dark pictures uh, after mm-hmm. The Devil and Me. So that that, that was exciting. I, I I sort of wish that we had done that podcast a little later so we could talk about uh, that <laughs> a little bit more, uh, a little bit more cogently. I th- it's definitely exciting. I think that um, House of Ashes, which was the uh, most recent Dark Pictures games, the one that came out after Little Hope, I think that one managed to strike an audience um, beyond the other two because that game, um, this, well, I won't get into too many details about it, but that game in many ways felt like a soft reboot almost of the Dark Pictures. Like we're going to try this with a little, we're going to try something a little different here. And I think it worked out for them. And and the, the the devil in me, which again comes out very soon, is the fourth one in in Dark Pictures. Yeah, yeah, it is, and this that one's going for more of a um a saw meets psycho kind of vibe. Um, and has Jesse Buckley in it, which I'm I'm very curious about. But uh, I also wanted to point say uh, that the quarry is also has a different publisher. So um, that's right, yeah, because uh, Namco is doing all the Dark Pictures games. And I believe Sony was the publisher on Until Dawn. Until Dawn had first party money, and that that was that was some years ago too, wasn't it? Was twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen? I want to say twenty fifteen because I was still in college. Yeah, uh, but yeah, this time the Quarry is actually being published by Two K. Y- you know what? I-, I think Supermassive Games has pitches. They're they're putting it out there. They're they're uh, trying to get whatever publisher is interested. And I I'm guessing Two K won the bidding war because. Because I mean, Supermassive has really carved out a niche for themselves here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, again, I, I, we don't know how successful these games are, but coming out with a stylish horror adventure every year around Halloween seems to be doing well for them. And we, uh, and uh, I think Until Dawn was a legit hit. 
that uh yeah did, that did extremely well even though i played it geez uh seven years after the fact i had a, <laughs> and, and, and i'm not even a horror guy and I, I i had a good time with it too it well i'm not shocked if there was a bidding war of sorts for the uh, for the quarry mm-hmm. and i think it actually it worked out for them too be, um, not just because of like the success of their other games but um 2k with 2k's backing because um the quarry i mean spoil minor spoil it's not really a spoiler alert, but like the quarry looks fantastic. Like, I think this is might be the best use of their facial animation that they've done in a long time. It graphically looks terrific. And it has an absolutely star studded cast of famous horror, horror and horror adjacent actors that I'm very excited to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I again, I've only played until dawn and little hope, but uh, the quarry looks better than both of those. And there is a refinement to the mechanics found in both of those games that I, I was really excited by, and, and I would say that the only my only major letdown about the quarry is the multiplayer because they have some multiplayer features, but not the exact one that I wanted, or 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 a, a version of what yeah. I wanted that that was a uh, sort of um, what we did in Little Hope, like, it, yeah. like and maybe that'll come in a patch later or something. You never know; it's getting support, and 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 it does have built-in couch co-op, which is handy. I'm actually doing a run with a friend of mine right now. But uh, and that one works by passing the controller back and forth um, and deciding which characters you want to control at the start of the game, which is the way it works in the Dark Pictures games. But we should mention uh, in Little Hope, there was a lo- every single scene in the game until like the very end. There's at least two playable characters in every scene. Like characters will pair off, or there will be the entire group of five will be traveling together, and we could play that game simultaneously with uh, each of us being a different character in the scene. But the, mm-hmm. and and in the quarry, sometimes the characters do travel together. But there's a lot of solo work in the in the quarry. Also, like in in general, only one character is the active character at a given time. So passing the controller uh, would would make sense. And they they probably couldn't do a fully simultaneous uh, multiplayer run the way they did in Little Hope. Well, let's let's go into the quarry proper. Um, it uh, I mean this is a bit of a surprise to the characters themselves. But we we can just say it out, out, outright. This game's about werewolves. This is game. This is a game that takes place in an abandoned summer camp. You are uh, teenagers in a summer camp, trapped there, surrounded by werewolves. And that is the one sentence pitch that got me at least sold enough on the game to <laughs> to play it for the mm-hmm. podcast. Yeah, and, and it it becomes pretty evident very quickly once the game i mean uh, the, once the once the prologue ends and you have this long panning shot to the full moon while freaking flying to the moon is playing in the background yeah no no <laughs> no fly me to the moon would fly you, me like, to the yeah 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 yeah, yeah. which is a frank sinatra song that's probably also well known to fans of late 90s anime uh real ones know but the real ones uh, know it's it's either that or you're a bayonetta fan <laughs> Also true, yeah. I forgot there's a there's a dancey trancy remix in that in uh, in that game, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I I haven't I haven't finished any of the Bayonetta games. But uh, th- this game is a really cheeky use of music. You know, like uh, when the teens are in a romantic sequence, they'll like they'll they'll have like Dawson's Creek loose guitar chords playing. They play a song called Wolf Boy at one at one point, like uh, in between chapters. I like I don't I really I'm confused about this choice, but during the epilogue uh, part of the credits, um, they played "Daydream Believer" by the Monkees. <laughs> <Some, was, laughs> oh my god! Some the, the soundtrack in this game kind of pops though because um I mean the opening song is Ariana Grande. Um, that's right, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, and someone, someone on Spotify, God bless you, made a playlist of all the licensed music um, in the quarry because none of it's on the official soundtrack, obviously. Um, that's all the in-game music. And I just, I, I, it's terrific. I love it so much. They, they definitely shelled out a lot more licensing for this game. It's very cheeky use of music, too, because I think that sometimes the, like, they know a song will be recognized, mm-hmm. and they and they use it, like, as a, like to get a reaction or as a, as a joke, yeah. like it's a, it's, it's a very cheeky winky use of, uh, of, uh, of licensed music in, well, and, um, in, in uh, the quarry. Yeah. Oh, and what's cool too is because this game is designed for streaming, like but more than any other, um, super massive game, this game is laser targeted at the streaming community. And in the accessibility options, it includes the option to replace all the licensed music with generic music so that your Twitch stream doesn't get copyright struck. That's something that, that wasn't a problem for you or I, but... Uh, no, but... But it, it's a cool feature. Um, I, 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 was there any accessibility features about all the QuickTime events? Yeah, you can you can make it so that the QuickTime events can be passed by pressing any direction um, or any face button, which is handy. You can make it so that you auto-win all of the combat encounters or that they're easier to um, navigate, like there's an auto-aim function. You have it so that you can um, auto-win the Don't Breathe sections, which <laughs> I had a kind of a difficult time with those Don't Breathe sections because I think the in-game tutorial does a poor job of explaining when you're supposed to release the button. Uh, so yeah, there's there's probably more accessibility. There's even a colorblind mode. So I think there's more accessibility features in the quarry than they've done in any other of their games. And and they've done to to their credit, they've done a good job of introducing more of these as their releases have gone on. But um, I think if in general the quarry is aiming for a wider audience, and they've they've made sure that no matter what your skill level is, you you sh- with these types of quick time events, you should be able to still experience the game. That's good because uh, I've been much more aware of accessibility options in games since we recorded an accessibility episode of Retro Encounter earlier this year. I, I was not on that episode, but I did edit it, and I uh, and then I, I I listened afterwards because of course I, I listened to every rpg fan podcast like any good mm-hmm. human does but yeah but but i remember when that episode came out um i think i was in the middle of playing until dawn and a uh and and a ryu gagotoku game at the same time I, I, yeah i think i was playing judgment and until dawn at roughly the same time so i was extremely aware that uh quick time events can be accessibility limiting for a lot of people um so but so even something like making all of them clickable or pausing for each of them um and and or removing timers that that is a huge huge help so so hearing that there are so many accessibility options is uh is is really good and uh those don't breathe sections that you mentioned um they're uh the, the, well backing it a little bit uh all of the super massive games have quick time events as major gameplay features like like you'll uh, even if you're not actively controlling a character say running away from a monster in the woods you won't be controlling their every step but there will be quick time events like pressing up or uh, buttons at the right time to to hop over a tripping hazard or to or to uh, clear a fence uh, cleanly or something. And I didn't play with any of the accessibility features on, but what, like as I was playing this, I re- I I, I re realized that uh, oh this this game could be a little challenging for uh, people with with specific um with specific gaming or or acuity challenges. And but but having all of these present, maybe they weren't there baked into the beginning because I know this game did undergo multiple patches in its first couple weeks. 
Um, mm-hmm. but, but that, that all sounds great. And, um, uh, that don't breathe section, uh, segment that you mentioned, there's a couple of times in this game where you're being stalked by either a werewolf or a hunter or in one, uh, a wild pig in one, in one scene, <laughs> you, have to hold, you have to hold down a breath, um, hold down a button to indicate the character holding breath and trying not to make any noise. And you have to release the button when the danger is gone. And there's like a red glowing outline of the, of the frame that moves around a little bit and you need, you're supposed to let go of the button when the red in the screen is gone. And, th- and that could be uh, challenging for a colorblind person. And, and it, it definitely could be. And also, and also just in, just for my single brain celled self, um, I thought that you had to release the button when the timer ran out, um, not no. when the red left the screen. And if you do that, you just auto fail the sequence. So, you know, pro pro tip to anyone listening, um, uh, when you you want to release the button after the screen stops turning red, but before the timer runs out. That is correct, and usually uh, the, the screen is, r- runs out of red when it's pretty low, when it, when it's like at the ten or five percent mark or so. Yeah, you have like a couple seconds. Like you warned me about them before I got to the first serious one, and uh-huh. so so I I was a little extra careful, and I, I didn't fail any of them, and and and, and I think I I blame me playing uh uh nine yakuza games in two years but i i I nailed almost every single quick time event in this game yeah there you Um, go buddy it it it, it worked out very well for me in general uh and i i think the one or two i missed didn't affect the story in a way that ruined the game for me like i i I didn't fail a quick time event for to uh and then saw someone die uh which which Mm -hmm. which i was very very lucky for we'll talk about who lived and who died uh shortly yeah, I did. I did two runs of the quarry um, because I wanted to go back for some achievements and see if I could get everyone out alive, which I managed. But the first time I did it, I failed every single Don't Breathe event because I didn't re- realize how the mechanic worked. But fortunately for me, one of them you can sort of fail upwards, and it actually gets you an envy- a, a good outcome. Uh, it's not an instant death. It's I don't think it's I don't think any of them are ever an instant death, or at least like you usually have an option to to get away from it um, if circumstances are right in your favor, like you have a weapon or something. So it worked out in the end. And uh, that's worth mentioning. Um, a, a, a couple things you mentioned. I uh, I I didn't have any quick time event deaths, but I did uh, look up some on YouTube later, and you can definitely die from failing a quick time event uh in mm-hmm. in, speci- in specific circumstances so it's not like every single quick time event is life and death but uh, uh some of them definitely are you can usually tell when they are too <laughs> and you also mentioned that you played through the game multiple times to uh, get different ending paths and uh and also that uh uh sometimes failing a, a quick time event gives you a positive outcome uh, both of those are somewhat true in the other supermassive games so th- this is uh something that the developer is known for um, mm-hmm. I, 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 I pro- if I knew, um, if I was following a guide to the T, which I was not doing, um, I, I checked a guide a couple times when I was just a little bit uncertain about something. So, so like probably, uh, in the single digits number of times, but if you're following a guide to a T, they probably will tell you what quick time events you should fail mm-hmm. to get the best outcome. But I, w- I was trying to win every single quick time event. So I, uh, like that, uh, that was not something that I did. Um, right and but uh th- this game has 
multiple death scenarios. There are there are trophies very view, easy easy to see in the trophy list for having all nine main characters survive and having all nine main characters die. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a, a lot of ways it can go. I think they said there was almost 200 different ending variations, and I and and I believe them, even though some of the ending variations are as uh, detailed as did Jacob find Emma's bracelet or didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> and, but, and I think some of that also has to do with the evidence um, you can collect because um, um, on my, on my, um, if you don't collect, I think if you don't collect enough evidence, um, the, at the end, the, the survivors get framed for the, everything that's been going on at Hackett's quarry. That's the summer camp. Yeah. Um, but, but you need, if you collect more evidence, then then more of the truth gets out and it changes what the podcast people are talking about at the end. Yeah, we can jump right ahead to this. Um, uh, one character mentions that he uh, listens to a podcast about the paranormal, and that's how he learned about a ghost story taking place at uh, at uh, at Hackett's Quarry. That's, and, I, that's, sorry, I have to interrupt for a second. Was Ryan your favorite character, Solosi? Uh, he, he probably wasn't. Um, I, I think that I, but I had an extremely clear top two and and, and ryan it, it was uh, uh ryan and caitlin were, were my uh, two favorites i was gonna say the moment the podcaster showed up i was like oh okay <laughs> we're doing this yeah he's uh he listens to podcasts and they and the game let me make him kiss so of course i was i, uh, I <laughs> and, immediately liked ryan, ryan. And, I, if there's one thing i love it's making video game characters kiss each other oh yeah oh and he's um uh justice smith so he was in the detective pikachu movie and i adore that for him <laughs> Right? Yeah, I, I, we did an episode on Detective Pikachu years and years ago. Oh boy, that was that would have been that would have been 2018, I think. Maybe. maybe oh earlier. man, yeah, that was the old days. But uh, oh, that movie was terrific. Anyway, moving back to moving back to horror and spooky adventures. Uh, yeah, let's go ahead to the main credits again. Uh, the, over the main credits, the uh, like an episode of the podcast that Ryan listens to plays. And one host is uh, extremely excited about the paranormal, and the other one's more of a skeptic. And depending on how many pieces of evidence you find in the game, there's a lot of collectibles in this game. There's tarot cards, uh, evidence, and and quote unquote clues that just give you a little bit, uh, that give you just a, more, a bigger idea of the lore around the game. And I think you might need to find all all ten pieces of evidence to to exonerate the 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 main characters because I I had. Uh, a newspaper article in the background saying that um that like like psycho teens to blame for for massacre at, at camp camp yeah <laughs> um but because but I didn't find all the evidence I found I don't know but if if it is ten pieces probably six or seven out of ten some some of them is tricky one of them you remember how I mentioned earlier that sometimes failing a QTE can get you a positive outcome uh-huh. um there's a sequence involving Caitlin where you have to succeed the first QTE and then fail the sec the second and third one in that sequence because it gets one of the hunters to drop a piece of evidence and it's like okay that's interesting to me <laughs> yeah I I definitely didn't do that because I uh, because when when Caitlin's out there I am trying to protect my girl at all t- at all costs yeah K- Caitlin Caitlin um, is the de facto best girl <laughs> so, so anyway there's a, a lot of fun twists and turns this game can go through even when you're still confined to the same main story uh with the possibility of anyone can live and anyone can die although some events are unavoidable unavoidable and scripted others are uh are, are like can really shape later in the game it's it's not quite a all of your choices matter in the same way the best telltale games are we, we played a different a, a telltale game about a very different werewolf um, a, a few a few weeks ago for this podcast because again this month is um 
is uh, Gilbert Wolf Schaefer Wolf is uh, how he descri- described it in, in, <laughs> in earlier episodes. It works perfectly. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what? I didn't even realize there's a wolf in Broken Age until I until playing Broken Age. So wow! It, oh wow, we themed it, this good. <laughs> yeah, it really could have been Gilbert Triple Wolf or or or, or Monkey Triple Wolf, but uh, I didn't I didn't know that ahead of time to uh, to give it that name. Uh, but but yeah, this game uh, has a lot of different outcomes and a lot of different twists and turns. And let's go into it from the very beginning. Uh, we meet our first two teams, our our first two teens, the team of uh, of Laura and Max, who are camp counselors lost on the road looking for the Hackett's Quarry summer camp. Um, and a very very creepy police officer stops them, gives them directions to a motel, and they did. But the they go to a, a camp, the camp instead of the motel anyway. Um, uh, they're attacked by some kind of monster, uh, and, and and Max is uh, is badly hurt by um, uh, by the monster. Um, the cop comes up behind Laura, injects her with something to knock her unconscious, and then uh, we are immediately cut to that "Fly Me to the Moon" uh, sequence, which is the game's second use of a of a, a very cheeky licensed soundtrack. Oh yeah, for sure. And then, and this 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 opening sequence definitely does a good job of introducing you to what you can expect from the story. You've got a couple early decisions that can sort of set you on a different path, um, which in the, in the quarry are represented by these cute little videotapes that um that represent each path that are meant to look like cheap like dollar store video nasties, and I adore them. Like it is such a cute little detail. Um. And we also get to meet a few of the cast members um, that I, I really appreciated. Um, uh, let's see. The Max is played by Skylar Gizondo, who I recognized from um, Olivia Wilde's Book Smart, which is one of my favorite movies. Um, and then the, the officer is played by none other than Ted Raimi, who, um, uh, Sam Raimi's brother, who has kind of a massive role in this game. I was surprised. I was expecting him to just be a cameo. Yeah, um, normally Ted Raimi is known for getting cameos in his brother Sam Raimi's horror movies, mm-hmm. and even in the opening chapter, uh, um, Max even like comments about Evil Dead uh, at one point. Um, <laughs> I was so happy about was, that. Yeah, so that was, that was very on the nose. But uh, but the, the cop um, Travis is uh, plays a much larger role later in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely he definitely does. He's a very interesting character, and it's a really good performance. Like in general. And it's the same with once after this opening sequence, we get to meet our main cast at Hackett's Quarry. The summer camp has just ended and the kids are going away and they're getting ready to close down camp for the season. And right away, this whole cast, just the the acting in this game is really good. Like, I think that all the characters have really good chemistry together and the dialogue sounds sounds and flows naturally. Yeah, um, the game is well written and well acted in general, and me liking or disliking characters was definitely about their writing and actions, and not because I found a, any of them annoying. Um, which is you know, so I, I I find one character in a cast of ten plus annoying a lot. Like like I will I will I will pick favorites and least favorites very quickly, um, when I play through an RPG or an adventure game. In between the prologue and the this initial this first section in the camp, though, there is an interstitial section that happens at the end of every chapter, uh, very similar to the curator from the Dark Pictures games or the psychiatrist played by Peter Stormare in Until Dawn. We now have this old gypsy lady 
um, played by Grace Zabinski of Twin Peaks fame, um, who um, offers you clues whether if based on whether or not you can find her tarot cards, which basically function like totems um, in Until Dawn. They let you see little glimpses of uh, decisions you can make in the future and whether or not you can um, uh, whether and to, so you can kind of anticipate what's coming up. Uh, it, that those are those sections are very interesting, and they also do play a rather a surprisingly significant role in the story later on too. Yeah, I, I definitely didn't get all the tarot cards, and the ones I did get, I, I got probably around half. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but I'm, I am not great at finding every single item in a video game environment. Either, they are, so that, some of these are, some of these are well hidden too. Like, oh yeah, like like you need to like get a specific camera angle in an area like which will only spawn if you like walk in a certain direction like it, it's it's sometimes like uh, most for the most part sometimes they'll just put them right in front of your face but there's a few of them you really have to go out of your way to find yeah and uh i'm already not great at doing that but uh i, I mentioned i didn't have to change any of the accessibility features that in a way that was a lie uh this game has uh, uh just dark lighting in general and I had to, and, and, and partway through, I was having such difficulty navigating some areas that I turned up the brightness uh, several ticks just so I could see things a little better. Yeah, that's uh, totally valid. But <laughs> so, uh, like, like it's, it's kind of hard finding everything because this is a this is a, a game that just that just is uh, is has dark lighting and a lot of a lot of collectibles. Like there, there's dozens of these clues and uh, 22 tarot cards because it's the 22 major arcana. And uh, and I think between either ten or twelve pieces of evidence, maybe maybe uh, maybe less. And and uh, anytime something affects a, a possible story future, it's it's uh, represented in in, a, in the path collectible, which which are the sort of short videos that uh, you mentioned earlier. And the game does a really good job of documenting every single thing that you find, so you can go over everything you have to learn more about the story and lore of this game. But in chapter one. Uh, there isn't really any uh, horror jump scares of, of uh, other than except for maybe the one time Jacob finds a spider, which did make me jump a little bit. Um, <laughs> and and uh, and generally speaking, chapters one and two are just introducing you to the seven camp counselors, other than Laura and Max. And and even in in chapter one or two, I forget where exactly. Uh, like a couple times, one of the counselors will mention, "Oh yeah, what about those two other ones that never showed up?" Because the the Laura and Max prologue is in June, and this uh, this scene with the camp being over and the camp counselors cleaning up after the campers, it takes place in August. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the season's already over. Those two went missing, and as far as they're concerned, they just they they just pieced out. They don't know that something more sinister is going on yet. And uh, let's go into these characters because we are going to talk about all of them a lot. Uh, they're very sensibly uh, for my disorganized brain uh organized into uh six couples and one thruple of sorts we we, we <laughs> talked about uh max and laura a little bit there's also emma and jacob who uh who hooked up sometime over the summer and uh jacob is has caught feelings a little bit and his crush for emma is still definitely persisting well emma just treated it more like a fling so she's not as interested in jacob as jacob is in, in to emma which is a, a very real relationship di- dynamic that i've seen play out uh, multiple times in real life, not necessarily with me. Um, <laughs> and there's also uh, Nick and Abby, who are adorable dorks who clearly like each other but haven't made a move. 
um, because because you know they're both a little anxious and uncertain, even though the entire camp knows that they're into each other. So they're they they are a possible future couple, but not really a couple in the game at the beginning. And then you have uh, Caitlin, Ryan, and Dylan. Um, uh, Ryan is played by Justice Smith, we, we mentioned earlier. Um, Caitlin is played by Brenda Song, who's been in a, a thousand different things. And I I really was thinking of her as Brenda Song and not Caitlin the entire game. <laughs> she was the only character I was like that for. I, I think I mentioned earlier. It it, it appears that. Uh, that Ryan is by and both Dylan and Caitlin are into Ryan and you, the player can even choose uh, like either one or neither of the, of his two possible paramours that uh, Ryan favors, which I enjoyed a lot. Yeah, I know that definitely. And, and, and full disclosure, I had him flirt with, uh, with Ryan at every single opportunity. With with, with Um, Dylan, you mean? With with Dylan. Yes. No, of course. Well, Dylan, Dylan. Dylan's already flirting with Ryan a lot. You don't like without much player input. Um, I, I was actually, I was actually the other cast members actually do a pretty terrific job too because um, Abby and Nick are played by Ariel Winter and Evan Evagora. Um, the latter of which I actually know from Star Trek. Um, he's <laughs> he's on Star Trek Picard. He plays a Romulan in in the main cast. And and I should say I, I know Ariel Winter because she was one of the kids on the sitcom Modern Family for many years, and she also was in a hilarious um, college humor video from the two thousands where she plays a violent action hero version of Dora the Explorer, which is pretty hilarious. If mm-hmm. if my memory of that video is uh, holds up, uh-huh. and then um and then Dylan is played by Miles Robbins, who is Tim Robbins and Susan Sarandon's kid. Oh. Um, <laughs> Uh, and uh, was in the as uh, for what I know him from is from Blockers and the 2018 Halloween movie. Huh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, it's it's a, again like really the, the the this game's cast is insane, and and the main camp counselor, the the camp director, um, Chris Hackett, who comes to see the kids off and is acting hella sus, um, is none other than Scream's David Arquette. <laughs> yep. All, all correct like the, these uh, uh the voice cast is consistently impressive in this game and even though i didn't know all the actors like i uh, i i have a much better time remembering everyone's name in this game than i did in uh until dawn or little hope um mm-hmm. but we're, we're not going to go through this chapter by chapter necessarily but we will hit the major plot points yeah so the, ryan is a big dumb idiot and decides to sabotage their their car incorrect so that, incorrect huh? jacob not is ryan big, jacob, jacob is a big dumb idiot. ryan and jacob you, you and me both we've both done this at least we've both once, done this though. before I'm, I'm actually i'm doing okay this episode so far peter you gotta hold it hold it together buddy i'm i'm working i'm working on it they're just they're, the names they're so generic um okay so jacob the big meathead guy who has a crush on emma um, decides he wants to an opportunity to spend one more night with Emma so he can try and like like convince her to stick to 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 be his his partner. So he sabotages their car, which is as far as excuses for these kids to be stuck at a summer camp on a night where there's going to be werewolves. It works, but at the same time, I spent the entire time going, "Don't do it, you idiot! Don't don't uh, you do you not know what genre you're in." <laughs> Yeah, really, like, this entire game would not have happened if uh, Jacob decided not to damage the car's engine. And there's there's two ways you can damage it, which are which, uh, either cutting the fuel line or breaking off a, mo- a rotor arm, and, and that that affects choices later in the game. Yeah, uh, kids, it, like, like, kids it, don't break the fuel line of, of a car. It, don't do it. <laughs> if Max and Laura had arrived on time instead of a day early, and Jacob decided not to 
damage the car, then this entire game wouldn't have happened. It just would have been just two months of summer camp, then everyone goes home. Right. And uh, and David David Arquette's character, once he finds out that the kids are going to have to be stuck here, um, and he very clearly knows what's going on, because there's a scene where Ryan, haha, I got it right this time, can eavesdrop on him having a phone conversation with somebody where it's very clear he wants to get these kids out before sundown. Um, so he definitely knows what's going on. And once he finds out that that's not going to be happening, he's very frustrated and warns them to stay inside tonight at all costs. Uh, being dumb, horny teenagers, they do not follow his advice and immediately start making plans to have a big final summer powwow um, with a bonfire and beer and whatever else they can find. Yep, exactly. So uh, th- that's basically the setup for the game. Uh, there- there's scenes where you get to know the characters a little bit better. Uh, Emma is an influencer, so she, in segments where she's alone, she sort of live streams it. Which, uh, which you know, felt like a nod to the heavy streaming audience of Supermassive Games, but also just sort of fits a a, a teen in twenty twenty one because I think this game takes place in twenty twenty one, if memory serves. So, like, I think it, that's, that's fair. You know, it, it fits the time and setting and nature of these characters who are again, my guess would be between. Uh, they all seem like college students, so they're all in the eighteen to twenty range, I think. Yeah, I think I think they're actually about to go to college because that, that that's the main that's Emma's main impetus for breaking off her fling with um with Jacob is that oh we're going to different schools blah blah blah. Yeah, so like, they're they're I, probably eighteen or nineteen, and they yeah. even mentioned like Max even has a, a rejection letter because he was trying to get into Landis University, which is definitely a reference to John Landis, the director of An American Werewolf in London. Um, I haven't seen an American Werewolf in London because I'm a giant baby, but I, 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 did, I, I did notice, I did notice the, the, the Landis University reference. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, this movie's full of cute little nods to other to other movies. It's it's great. Yeah, yeah. There's even one scene where uh, I forget who says it. It's one of the more sarcastic characters, probably probably Dylan, maybe maybe Laura, where they even say, "Hey, we're not in a horror movie," which is again a little on the nose, but but very very amusing. <laughs> J- um, J- uh, J- J- Jacob finding the, the the trade paperback of like whatever some kind of goosebumps knockoff and is like ugh I hate horror and I'm just like <laughs> funny. <laughs> but generally speaking, the characters part ways a little bit after a very dramatic game of truth or dare, where uh, Emma kisses Nick to get Jacob jealous, but that just makes Abby upset and jealous, so she runs off. Nick goes after her. Jacob runs off getting angry because he's a big meathead man. He he didn't have as much of a redemption arc as Mike, the the uh, the resident uh, jock meathead, meathead in, in Until Dawn. Unfortunately, no. And I was trying to see if there was a way for me to like make that happen, but I'm not entirely sure. I'll I'll, I'll be revisiting this game for sure. So maybe I'll, maybe maybe there is a path that leads to the redemption of Jacob the meathead. But there are definitely ways for Jacob to die gruesomely. I'm, uh, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm certain. My, I'm certain. Got about. it on my first run. I, I didn't let him out of the cage, and then the power got cut, and that is an instant KO for him. Jacob was maybe the character I found the most annoying or frustrating because a lot of it is because of him sabotaging the car at the beginning and then spending the rest of the game either trying to hook up with Emma or running around naked. <laughs> uh, like I'm not not kidding. That is most of his arc in this entire game. They definitely kind. They get. They definitely kind of. Um... I don't want to say demasculate him, but they're definitely making fun of him a little bit. Oh yeah, no, no, he he's being made fun of. I just wish he was. I, I just wish he hadn't done the, the the single biggest dumbass decision in the entire game. Yeah, no, uh, you other, and me other, both. Other than other than a six year flashback that we can talk about later. Yeah, <laughs> but 
Um, so he so he runs off. Emma goes after Jacob. Nick goes after Abby. Uh, Ryan, Caitlin, and Dylan, probably the three most sensible non-Laura characters in the game, um, are stay stay behind to clean up a little bit. But uh, Nick is Nick and Abby are attacked by a monster. We know it's a werewolf later, but um, and then um, but then the the monster is driven away by hunters, and Nick is badly injured. Um, uh, and at the same roughly the same time. Emma and Jacob are flirting a lot. They decide to go skinny dipping in the, or at least underwear swimming. Which, I was just say we 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 can't we we have to we have to make sure this is a mature rated video game. The yeah. ESRB would look at skinny dipping and be like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, they they go swimming in their underwear. But then uh, when Jacob hears Abby scream, he runs back to the uh, back to shore to uh, to see what's going on. But well, Emma he... can't Emma can't hear him, so she swims over to the island where uh, one of the campfire areas is to um to and to maybe zip line back to shore. And, I will but... say there are a, I'm not to interrupt, but there are a couple variations of those outcomes based on the decisions you make too, uh, because it's also possible for if you stole the rotor arm from the car, you have the option to dive back in after it because Jacob didn't take it out of his pants when he jumped in the lake. So you have this whole diving section. Um, where you have to like swim down after it. Yeah, I I didn't uh, remove the rotor arm. I cut the fuel line, which oh. meant the which meant the engine goes up in flames when you try to start the car. Oh, I went for the rotor arm because I was thinking, oh, maybe I can put it back in the car. <laughs> no, I, I I went for the fuel line because I, I wasn't really sure what the difference would be. Uh, but I was but, not encouraged that uh, Jake Jacob didn't know what a rotor arm was when he when he asked about it. Yeah, and then Abby, I, I so this is, and I only I know this because of a, an achievement for it. I haven't tried this myself. It's possible for every single one of the main cast to get bit by a werewolf at some point in the story, um, and I'm pretty sure Abby can get bit during that section if you mess up the quick time events. Yeah, that that makes sense because um she is running from a werewolf uh for uh for for a, a long segment of this um but then but then nick gets in the way and uh and gets infected instead i i think that it's unavoidable for nick to get infected i think yeah i know unfortunately poor nick (laughs) yeah nick becomes a werewolf um in uh in every version of this game um as does max who was who we know was bitten earlier yeah that's part of the story yeah and um after they separate uh uh jacob runs into hunters who are clearly I mean, if, if, if the player has uh, more than f- 15 brain cells, you probably understand that they're trying to, they're, they're not hunting the campers. They're definitely hunting the monsters. It, mm-hmm. it, at least it was pretty clear to me, but I, I knew that this game was about werewolves going in. Yeah. The game, the game definitely does. It, it, it definitely, the, from the kid's perspective, obviously they're a little freaked out by the hunters, but it's kind of dramatic irony because the player can definitely tell that they're, you know, they're, they're covering themselves with with b- werewolf blood to mask their scent. Um, when Jacob finds them, they'll do the same thing to him. It's very clear that they are trying. It may, maybe they're not being very communicative about it, but they are somewhat trying to keep the kids safe. And also, one of them is Lance Hendrickson from uh, Aliens, and I appreciate that. And Love another that one, dude. and another one is Ethan Suppley from Boy Meets World, which I appreciated a lot. And, and Ethan Suppley is one of those character actors that you see in in fifteen things without knowing his name, unless mm-hmm. you yeah. unless you go on an IMDb uh, safari, which which I have. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't recognize him as Bobby. I was just calling Bobby Country Bumpkin Krauser. Because he reminded me of Krauser from Resident Evil Four. 
No, no, he he was a little bit of a of a like a how uh how about a pack of nutty buddies kind of uh, kind of redneck big dude. But, <laughs> when you, uh, later in the later in the game, when you stab him, he gets like confusedly upset. It is like, Pa, look what they did, and I'm just like, that made me. I la- I I laughed out loud. <laughs> Yeah, like, like when uh, when Bobby the, the the big hunter is sort of presented as a villain, he's he's pretty scary because he is he is a hoss that is not bothered by things like 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 medium range shotgun shots. Yeah, right. <laughs> so this dude's a, a Terminator. <laughs> yeah, he's an absolute unit, but uh, but but he's not a villain at this point of the story. Even though it's it's the, the campers definitely think he is, and I can't blame them. But when uh, when Emma's isolated from everyone else, there is a werewolf. Uh, on that island with her um w- which much later we we realize is max because that that's where uh max deliberately hid so he uh so he wouldn't uh be able to bother any of the campers because they're, they're like oh it isn't werewolves, werewolves hate water so i'll be safe uh, i won't hurt anyone as long as i'm on this island right yeah no nope. surely surely nobody will be dumb enough to come out here in the middle of the night <laughs> yeah so it, it, and, and there's even like when when Emma's on the island, uh, she she's soaking wet because she swam there, uh, and she uh, <laughs> she finds um, a, a bag with Max's clothes in it, so she changes into those. And then later, much later in the game, uh, when uh, when Max is human again, he uh, is trying to find a way off the island to find Laura. And he's like, "What happened to the clothes that I left here?" And he ends up having to change into I I, I think Laura either must Laura, be it must be Laura's clothes. Yeah, yeah so he changes into Laura's clothes, which are like yoga pants, pants, and a pink sweatshirt. I, yeah, I love a them. pink <laughs> sweatshirt. A pink sweatshirt that does not fit him. And it, yeah, it was it was hysterical. I appreciated that. Yeah, that that was a moment that like that like was not a joke like written in the text, but was definitely played for humor, and I and I, I loved it. It was just this game is just it, it's again it's not a comedy, but there's so many winks. And jokes just here and there that that it's a it's a pretty yeah. funny game and mm-hmm. and comedy writing for video games is hard so it's a I was I I it's the whole thing is impressive but uh-huh. anyway um the campers separate then they get back together when Nick's been attacked uh they, they uh, Jacob is isolated from everyone else for a while he has a he has a spat with um with Ryan then goes running off again he's captured by the hunters Emma goes off to, doing her own thing for a while. Uh, when she finally gets her way back to the back to the lodge, um, like no one's around because they're off doing something else. So, uh, mm-hmm. if she was if she is infected by Max in uh, in her chapter when she's on the island, I think she can turn into a werewolf and attack you. But yeah, she, she but, can. Yeah, but but um, she was not infected for me. So she goes into the car, locks herself in, and uh, and and is found by the by the team much later. Mm-hmm. but basically at by that point after after holding themselves up in the lodge uh and fending off um an encounter with bobby uh the team decides to go to the radio tower which is where dylan was working for the summer he was like the announcer for the camp um and also their dj apparently um, yeah and i i think he is a dj and does djing stuff at, at, at that announcement room but each each of these te- uh teenagers had a specific job in the camp that's only sometimes referenced like like, mm-hmm. like abby's the art teacher um uh laura was supposed to be the camp count the the on the on grounds nurse but she but but she was missing so, so, so caitlin ended up getting the job yeah i think something like that and and like uh and i think caitlin was supposed to be just a uh 
I don't know, like 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 a den mom or a man, cabin manager or something. Uh, they they mentioned a couple times that Ryan was the was the was the sailing and boating instructor. Yeah, right. And then um, and uh, Jacob, bless his soul, um, is like bragging about being like a sharpshooter. So I, I'm guessing he must have been a shooting range instructor, even though he has no sense of gun safety um or anything else for that matter so yeah um, amusingly the best shot in the entire team is definitely caitlin who uh who who emasculates jacob in a in an early scene that i enjoyed very much um but the um i'm, I'm sorry her name's not caitlin it's brenda song yes brenda song um so but um justice smith and miles robbins um i'm sorry um <laughs> they 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 try to call for help realize that the only people who can hear them are the hunters um although i think they must have gotten something out because the cops do show up at the end during this time they are attacked by a werewolf and this is a part in the story where dylan does get bit and you have the option to either cut his arm off or not. Um, and this is another decision that can affect whether or not Dylan turns into a werewolf in later in the story, because spoiler alert, you are supposed to cut his arm off. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, it's, it's just his hand at the wrist. His hand. Yes. But still, it's still pretty gnarly. Yeah. I, I, I went for it because um, uh, Dylan was the only person suspect who was really suspicious of the, of how um, uh, Nick's wound uh, was behaving a little weird. Like the infection was turning black. And mm-hmm. and uh, so he, he so and, and so like Dylan was really afraid of infection, so he he just demanded that uh, Ryan cut his arm, his hand off, and and I went for it because that's, it seemed like the right call. Because I mean I, I I even though the, if the counselors didn't know this, I was pretty sure that was a werewolf bite. Um, yeah. But and but but for the survival of Dylan and the survival of others that could be harmed by werewolf Dylan, um, the right call probably is to cut the arm off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if you if you don't do that, which I didn't do on my first run, then he will turn um at the scrapyard sequence with, with Brenda Song. Oh later. no, that that yeah, that would be that would be terrible for Brenda it's, Song. It's very bad timing. Yeah, the the, uh, the scrapyard stuff was uh I, I thought a really cool scene, but but it's uh, a great but, scene. Yeah, but um but then after they fend off a werewolf at the uh, at the radio tower, um this group of five, um uh, Brenda Song. Ariel Winter, uh, your y- 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 boy from Star Trek, Evan Epidora. yeah, 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 Justice Smith, and uh, and young Mister Robbins, <laughs> they, 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 uh, they they all regroup at a pool house, um, and and the werewolf that was harassing them at the camp uh, follows them, but then they hear a gunshot, and uh, and 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 then at the pool house they see a young woman in the pool and and not a werewolf, and uh. Uh, uh, Ryan recognizes her as Chris Hackett, the the camp council, the camp head's daughter, uh, Kaylee, or mm-hmm. Kylie. Is it Kaylee? Or it's Kylie? it's Kaylee. Kaylee. Yeah, right, right, right. Because yeah, Chris, Chris, um, David Arquette's character had two children, uh, Caleb and Kaylee, and they're they're actually kind of instrumental to this story. But yeah, unfortunately, Kaylee Hackett, um, it was one of the werewolves, and when she gets killed, um, she turns back into a human. And and Ryan, um, Justice Smith's character, he had been going to the camp since he was a uh, since he was a little kid, so mm-hmm. he uh, he is the one that knows Chris, the the head of the camp, um, the best, and he also knew um, uh, Caleb and Kaylee because they also attended the camp at one point or another. So mm-hmm. he, rec- so he recognizes Kaylee, and when a young woman with a shotgun who who had shot the werewolf, a shotgun um, and an eye patch, yeah, shotgun and an eye patch comes over, uh, like like, uh, he um. Ryan didn't realize that uh, that she had shot 
Kaylee and werewolf form and then Kaylee turned back as a human and he just thinks of this new newcomer as a murderer but the eyepatch shotgun woman is Laura from the prologue mm-hmm yep and it's then, all, it's all coming together and then that chapter which is I don't know around the two-thirds mark or so is entirely a flashback of what happened to Laura and Max um after uh after the cop put them away the cop kept them in prison in the in the county jail for a full a full two months and um uh laura horrifically watches max turn into a werewolf um and and he injures her eye through uh through some jail bars there's a a pretty fun sequence of exploring an abandoned police station which is at least a top five police station in a horror game (laughs) yeah and and you can definitely find a lot of of helpful clues for the story a couple there's a couple branching paths based on how how your relationship with um travis the cop uh plays out um whether or not he is hostile towards you at the end of the story because Travis ultimately Travis is kind of an, I think is an interesting character because while his methods are definitely a bit unorthodox and all this whole family has a communication problem like holy crap um, yeah we, we learn a lot of this in chapters in the last three chapters but let's go over the whole story with the family right now because I think it's now is an appropriate as time it seems appropriate so basically years ago years and years ago there was a gypsy caravan that was traveling through the area that gypsy caravan was called harem scarum uh, it was a traveling magic show run by Grace Sabinski's character, the, the the old fortune teller that we keep cutting back to. She is the quote unquote hag of Hackett's Quarry, the the ghost that um, Ryan's podcast is about. Um, during her show, she had a um, her son named Silas. She kept in a cage and called him Silas the Dog Boy as an attraction. Um, and Silas is a werewolf, obviously. That's why he's happening here. Uh, Caleb and Kaylee Hackett felt bad for Silas and wanted to free him. Um, and so they tried to start a fire that would just as a distraction, like they were like, Oh, we're going to start a little fire. They're going to freak out. We're going to let Silas out of the cage. Everything's going to be all hunky dory. Unfortunately, the fire went up way fat, stronger than they anticipated. They accidentally killed off the entire caravan and got bit by the werewolf in the process, thus starting this whole chain of events that led to um, both Kaylee, um, Kaylee, Caleb, and Chris, David Arquette's character, all being bit and becoming werewolves. That's right, and they um, they only mention this offhand. Maybe you have to find it in clues, but uh, uh, we I don't know if you've mentioned this outright yet. Like the Hackett family is are the hunters. And Chris, we know, we know Chris's last name is Hackett, and the the cop is Travis Hackett, Chris's brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there, so the, there's a, there's also a missing Hackett brother that died in that fire, Hank Hackett. That uh, meant the, that, that they, he was the previous sheriff before Travis. Mm-hmm. So so, the, so there's a lot of tragedy attached to that fire. But uh, and again, this isn't this maybe isn't super clear until the end of the game. But uh, but every full moon, um, Chris, Kaylee, and Caleb all uh, locked themselves in specific places. Chris locked himself in the storm cellar area when, uh, when, when Max and Laura were exploring in the pro- prologue. So it's Chris that bites Max and turns him into a werewolf. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and, and Chris, Kaylee, and Caleb at, at various, at probably mostly Caleb and Kaylee, have been the werewolves uh, chasing, at, chasing our heroes through most of the game. Because mm-hmm. we, know that, we know that Chris has locked, him, locked himself in the Hackett Mansion. Yep, and then the other the other um, key point that we learn during the sequence is that 
the way to lift the werewolf curse is to kill the werewolf that bit you. In doing so, it will cure not just you, but everyone that they've bit. Or, so, or everyone down that uh, everyone down that sequence of um, of, of of infections. Yes, yeah. yes. And so, to Laura, the objective is clear. She has to kill Chris Hackett. She has to kill the werewolf that bit um, that bit Max. And, and um, that, the Hackett's family objective for six years has been to chase down Silas the Wolf Boy, the uh, who who infected first Caleb, and then Caleb himself infected Chris and Kaylee later. So they've been searching for Silas, a gypsy albino wolf, for six years. But uh, but but um, the, the Silas point of the story is not clear to Ryan and Laura, who who have become sort of the 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 characters with the most scenes by now until the almost the very end. Yeah, and and basically, Travis, um, uh, uh, Ted Raimi tries to recruit Laura to his cause after she sees what's um, become of Max. Um, and you can choose to go along with this or not. Um, I think it is technically considered it is the best possible outcome if you do so. Um, but you do have the option to you can still be antagonist. You can still be antagonistic towards Travis. You can still have him be an enemy at the end of the game, um, even though ultimately I think his intentions were good, even if his methods were unorthodox. Yeah, no, no Travis is a bit of a creep, and he and he's definitely unlikable, especially in that prologue chapter, and uh, and when he's. But basically, Travis wants to end this whole werewolf hunt, and uh, and is looking for any lead to Silas that he can. And when uh, when when Max and Laura disobey his orders to go to the motel, and Max gets infected, he locks them up in jail for their own safety and also because he's not sure how to proceed exactly and doesn't just want a werewolf kid and a girl that that saw a werewolf just to be let out into pub into the public mm-hmm. um so his his uh his position is he he's definitely a creep and not doing everything right but his but his his position is more understandable once you have the uh, uh once you have a better handle on the story mm-hmm. he just he wants to kill Silas and and this curse that's been haunting his family for six years, and also because I think I think he genuinely loves his niece and nephew, um, uh, Kaylee and Caleb. Because he's when when, mm-hmm. when Kaylee when he discovers that Kaylee died, um, the entire family is really sad about it. Yeah, they're really broken up about even, it. Even, um, and, and and even Ryan is, is sad about it too, because like he 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 knew Kaylee and and uh, and and must yeah. have, and must have liked her to a degree. Yeah, it's this subplot is I think for me why I think the Quarry is probably one of Supermassive's best games. Um. For me, just because I thought this adds a legitimate emotional center and real stakes to the story, because all of a sudden, oh, now I'm actually invested in the fate of these characters, um, and and I and I thought that was a really terrific way of going about it. Yeah, uh, I mean, all the supermassive games have some kind of mystery or secret uh, at at the center of it, um, or that's definitely true of the, of the of the two that I've played. And for the quarry to be a little bit more than you're trapped in a, in a in the woods at night with werewolves, but also there's this uh, there's this family that that is is suffering from the werewolf curse and they're trying to end it, and uh, and and everything from the cops to the hunters to the camp director that you're encountering are part of this family, and they're trying to protect these innocent teens from the werewolves, but bad decisions lead to everything getting just thrown into a blender together. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of blood and violence as a result and tragedy as a result. Cause the, again, I think the, the Kaylee death is unavoidable and that, yeah. and, and, and that sets off some of the family. Like, like, like they're uh, the, the, the matriarch gr- grandma packet. He's played uh, by Lynn Shay. <laughs> she's inconsolable when she, when she learns that her granddaughter was, uh, was, was killed. 
and which is which is like which is i mean again like the the hackets are mostly villains at this point uh but it's but it's an under but it's, it's understandable like there is an emotional center to what the to to what the human villains are doing in this game which i, I think just it makes it a good story mm-hmm. yeah i know for sure it's like the, the, their reactions are even though they're at odds with our party they are not strictly speaking villains they're just uh, they're 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 just kind of they've been broken down and beaten by like years of this curses and, and the events of tonight and losing kaylee just kind of sets them off um during that same sequence um uh lynn shay's character will get into a struggle with laura over the shotgun and um if you win that qte you blow her head clean off and i blew her head clean off but uh, yeah. uh going back a little bit okay um uh, nick turns into a werewolf at the boathouse right before laura meets up with uh with, with ryan abby dylan oh, yeah. and brenda song oh yeah yeah um, i want to complain about this for just a second okay nick nick turns into a huge jerk before he transforms into a werewolf and i don't i don't know if that's just the werewolf curse or what but i, I think it's the werewolf curse like like he's becoming more savage uh before becoming a werewolf so he's like weirdly horny and hungry he mentions both of those uh he's a real jerk to abby when he was actually when he had a bit of a uh, a sweet calm personality before yeah but so, he's like holding her and being like i want to taste you and it's like okay dude a not the time b let go of the lady you know he, he's, <laughs> he's being very creepy but i i think it's definitely the werewolf blood starting to boil inside of him is mm-hmm. uh, that was pretty clear to me but he, yeah but after he transforms and pops off uh abby or possibly more than just abby can definitely die in that sequence but i mm-hmm. but I, I managed to avoid it uh, uh and then you get the flashback chapter with laura and then the group separates again um abby decides to just go back to the lodge uh ryan uh, t- decides to accompany laura because he who he doesn't trust really because he because he still thinks of her as kaylee's murderer to go mm-hmm. to the hackett house and then uh Right. Um. After Brenda Song, Dilly, Dylan, and Abby get back to the lodge, um, if uh, if what's her name, Emma, is alive and not a werewolf, then Abby and Emma will hole up in the basement while Dylan and Brenda Song. I'm sorry. I'm doing that as a joke by now. It's I know, okay. I know, I know it's Caitlin. <laughs> um, go off to the scrapyard to try to try and find car parts to fix the the van's motor. And, uh, and I, I, let's skip ahead to that scrapyard scene because I thought it was really good. Like this junkyard is real creepy, and uh, they find a functional car at the end of a magnetized crane, and uh, you have to like have um, Caitlin and Dylan coordinate. Like Dylan operates the crane, possibly one handed if his if his hands been uh, is is unattached. Um, yeah, I, he's I, a he's a maestro. <laughs> uh, there's a, a werewolf chasing you. Which I think is Caleb. I think I think that werewolf is Caleb that's chasing you here. I think it has to be because uh, because Kaylee's definitely dead, and Chris is chained up in the mansion, and mm-hmm. Max is is confined to the island, so it has to be Caleb. Yeah, and um, if uh, if Dylan does not turn into a werewolf, which was the case for me, then um, there's a sequence of uh, of Caitlin climbing into the car, fending off Caleb briefly, and then uh, Dylan. Um, like dropping, uh, uh, basically shaking off Caleb and then dropping the car on him, which is just great. And it's a it's, like the junkyard's creepy. The action sequence is cool. Uh, it, it was it was a winner. I, I thought that was great. 
It is, it is a really fun sequence. And yeah, and also if, if Dylan does turn in that section, it's very emotional. Like he's like, you know, but it's a very dramatic, like get out of here, go cut down kind of thing, you know? Uh, and, and I, and I appreciated that a lot because I like Dylan and Caitlin. I thought they were, they were probably my favorite characters overall in the story. I, I think mine are like Caitlin and Ryan for sure. But also i really liked Abby. Like I, Abby, Abby is sweet. Did, did not want, know what to do. She's very sweet. She likes Nick. She is so troubled when Nick, uh, like turns on her, and then she turns and turns into a monster in front of her. But um, I, I was really rooting for Abby and Nick to make it out alive. Very similarly to how I was rooting for Chris and Ashley to to kiss and survive in um in Until Dawn. Right. Mm-hmm. And so even though Abby is not nearly the uh like the action hero that Caitlin is or or Laura, um, I, I still really really liked her and was rooting for her. Uh, the sequence continues into the Hackett house where, I don't know, if I had to pick a creepiest part of the, or scariest part of the game, it's when Laura and Ryan are separately trying to escape the mansion with the crazed Hackett family trying to kill them. Because mm-hmm. uh, by, by now, uh, Laura has been bitten by a werewolf and is, try- and, is, and is trying to fend off the urges to transform, while mm-hmm. Ryan gets stabbed with a kn- knife uh, around the middle of the sequence. So he's like, you can try to pull the knife out or he can try to escape hobbling away from bobby with a knife stuck in his side it's it's a uh, it's pretty gnarly and uh, it's pretty pro- gnarly yeah i, I pro- had to, <laughs> it, this took me the whole sequence is probably 40 minutes but it took me hours because i kept having to take breaks to eat some pop popcorn or go for a walk or, or something <laughs> yeah i mean and pro 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 tips to any of you who like have any kind of uh who had any kind of like medical or boy scout training or anything don't pull the knife out yeah just don't do it you will die um and also it's very useful later on in the story when you need to get away from bobby yeah i, I kept the knife in because of my boy scout knowledge like oh, like, mm-hmm. oh no you'll bleed out and die if you remove like a knife or an arrow or something mm-hmm. without with without a medical with, without yeah. the right medical facilities or professionals. Um, so I kept the knife in, but then when he's uh, uh, fending off Bobby later in that same chapter, you can pull off the knife to stab Bobby, which leads to that great Ethan Supley line where he's just confused by being stabbed and goes off to ask <laughs> his daddy what to do. It's it, that that line. I, I loved it. I was like, oh, Bobby. <laughs> but it also results in a and also in the middle of this sequence. Um, Laura takes her eye patch off and her eyes healed because because she was bit by Max, or I think it was Max. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it was. Uh, it, it was. Um, yeah. yeah, because she was bit by Max. Her she's starting to turn into a werewolf, and she she's aware of it. But it, but the he, the werewolf healing factor has healed her eye completely. So she she even she proposes to Dylan. Well, okay, not marriage, which was to, to Ryan. Yeah, was, right, Ryan. See, oh, I, I mixed one up. Oh darn! It's, it, it it happens. Yeah. It happens. Like like Ryan, Dylan, Caitlin. They they should not have made them all rhyme. That's unfair. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, so she says, okay, uh, Ryan, if I bite you, the the werewolf blood should heal you and you'll survive. But you're gonna turn into a werewolf in a few hours, and you can you can say yes or no to this uh, to this idea. I went with yes because it seemed like the right thing to do in an insane horror video game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I think it is the correct outcome up- in that situation. And ends up working out, and and you find Chris chained in the attic. But <laughs> at the result of this whole sequence, which begins with shooting uh, Grandma in the face, uh, ends up in you freeing Chris, uh, Chris killing his father and Bobby, who's his younger brother, and then uh, and then uh, Ryan, who ha- has an attachment, like a mentor mentee relationship with Chris, 
with uh, Ryan shooting Chris in the chest with a silver bullet. So yeah. you end up killing <clears throat> a solid two thirds of the Hackett family in this chapter. Yeah. If, if you if you don't if you rest the shotgun away from Mama Hackett. Yeah, I'm very curious to see what the other path for this is. Like, if there is a way for me, because I know looking at the looking at the, the the paths in the game, it points out that the reason Bobby couldn't defend himself from Chris is because you stabbed him earlier. I'm like, okay, so what happens if I don't do that? Um, I'm, so I, I'm like I said, I'm definitely going to revisit this game and see what other what else happens. Um, because um, I definitely want, I'm definitely curious. I think there's definitely a way for the Haggard grandparents and Bobby to survive this if you deliberately fail some QTEs and make different choices, but then, but then some people will definitely die because uh, yeah. we, we didn't mention like they, they captured Jacob way earlier in the story and we find mm-hmm. Jacob and a werewolf locked in a basement together in separate cages. Um, mm-hmm. You deduce that the werewolf is Nick, but, yeah. uh, and then there's a puzzle to try and free Drake Jacob without accidentally freeing the werewolf, which is, which is a simple number of puzzles. It's not that difficult. But uh, there's definitely ways for Ryan and Jacob to die in that sequence. Oh if yeah, you, like, if you mess it up. Yeah, I, I I did in fact mess it up, and um, not I, and not that I I, I didn't get um, Ryan killed, but he he left Jacob in there, and then when Lin Shay cuts when the power gets cut later on, um, uh, the cage is all open, and then Jacob just instantly gets numbed. Yeah, that that makes sense. But I, I I did bust Jacob out of there, so he was running around camp naked, which is he's which he's doing for most of the story. Um, when the uh, when the stuff goes down at the God, his poor at, at the house. feet. <laughs> yeah, he's not wearing shoes the whole time. That's like I'm I'm not like like maybe I'm an old man now. But when like a character takes a fall now, I feel it in my ribs. And <laughs> and, 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 and like and if there's like a sequence like you know broken glass and die hard or something, I like I I feel that in my feet and elbows in a way that I did not as I did not think of maybe Jacob's, much as a, maybe, as a younger maybe, adult. Yeah, maybe Jacob's part Hobbit and he just has naturally leathery soles. I don't know. Maybe he's he's running around in his boxers for most of the game at this point. Then and again, I, I'm pretty so is Emma. So. <laughs> Yeah, but no, no. She finds some clothes in the in the treehouse. No, fair, fair enough. But yeah, during that initial section, it's like, oh, girl. Yeah, no, yeah. She's riding. She's walking on wooden planks in uh, in a bra and panties, which cannot be comfortable. No, not um, at all. Especially even even though uh, it's August. I mean, it's upstate New York. It doesn't. It's not exactly the tropics. Mm-hmm. Um, but after you kill Chris, um, Nick and Max's werewolf curses are over. So that's where you get the sequence of Max. Um, on the treehouse and putting on, uh, uh, putting on Laura's clothes, and and presumably if if Nick is alive at this point, he's uh, he's no longer a danger to himself and others. I, I, I don't think I don't think Nick was bitten by Chris though, because Chris was in the Hackett house. I think I think Nick was probably bitten by Caleb or Kaylee. Oh, which it oh, must have been Caleb right. in that case because Kaylee was already dead and Nick is still a werewolf. No, um, no, 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 no. Um, uh, Kaylee was. Oh, that that's true. That's true. So so um, Nick must have been bitten by Caleb. Yeah, that would that would make sense. But it does lift um it lifts Max's curse and in doing so lifts Laura's curse. Right. And, um, and, and, and in doing so there, um if if Ryan was bitten by Laura, it also lifts lifts Ryan's curse. This is convenient how that works out. But th- this is the point in the story where um depending on the choices you've made with Travis, he's either going to be hostile towards you or not. And um and if you haven't, he basically proposes I, it, basically, you find out. Okay, Silas is here. He's in the he's in the camp. We're gonna find him and we're gonna put an end to this once and for all. And you you forge a temporary alliance with Ted Raimi. 
and then that's where we have these these double final sequences that I think are pretty great. Where um, it, it's it's Travis the cop and Ryan and Laura going to where the uh, where Laura first explored in the prologue and found the ruins of the circus uh, to, to to kill Silas once and for all. But simultaneous with that, uh, Caleb, the last werewolf that's running free, is at the lodge uh, trying to. Uh, trying to go after whoever's whoever still survived surviving at the lodge which for me was uh caitlin dylan abby and emma Mm -hmm. and if everything goes right so like uh caitlin has to pass a couple of uh qtes in a row and when abby and emma were in the basement together you have to find some silver bullets that were there and if you, everything happens just right, then Dylan will run into the kitchen and lock himself in there. Uh, uh, Caitlin slash Brenda Song will run away from Caleb the werewolf. And, but as she passes by the door where Emma and Abby are locked in, they'll roll her some silver shotgun shells under the door, and then Abby can use that to shoot Caleb and uh, and, mm-hmm. and kill him once and for all. Yeah, but if, if, if any of this goes wrong, then at least one, possibly all of those characters can die. Yeah, I'm. I'm wondering if there's a way to get through that w- without killing Caleb. Um, but I, again, I don't know what it is without, like you said, at least one of the main characters getting killed. I, I, I didn't do the research to find out all of the possible story paths in this game, but I did do a little bit of YouTube searching to look at uh, character deaths. Because, uh, spoiler alert, Peter, with o- occasional help from guides, when I was really stressing out, um, I, I got the everyone survives ending. <laughs> Oh, nice! Good for I got, you. Yeah, all, all nine of the, all nine of my campers uh, uh, made it, and uh, I was quite thrilled about that, especially with how badly um, my run of Until Dawn went earlier. <laughs> yeah, this year. you you redeemed yourself. <laughs> yeah, so I, I my my goal was I really wanted like uh, I really wanted I, I guess I, I guess Brenda Song was the character I most wanted to survive, but I, I really did want everyone to make it. Uh, mm-hmm. So. I checked a guide a couple times. I was not. I did not have one over my shoulder the whole time, like I had to for the ending of Broken Age last week. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, but I did get the ending where everyone survives, and um, this game was good enough. And like, if there's a supermassive game that I want to revisit to get more trophies in and see more paths in, it's the quarry. I, I like, I think that like, again, this is, this is a game that's ju- that it, it is like the other games in its ilk, like super massive games for better or for worse has sort of created their own tropes about themselves. Like you, there is a set of expectations. Now you have going into one of these, um, but the quarry is my favorite version of it so far. And it, and it's because the action is good. The werewolf stuff is scary when you're being stalked by wild animals. The characters are likable. The writing is good. There's the uh, the villains have a heart to to a degree that is uh, mm-hmm. that at least makes them a little more humanized compared to uh, compared to other works of horror fiction. This is just a good one. Yeah, it's just it's just in general, it's a really solid game with high production value, a good story. It's well acted um the soundtrack is terrific like uh, in general yeah i think the quarry was an absolutely terrific time and um like i said throughout the episode i am definitely going to be revisiting this one uh, time and time again to see um i i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm actually gonna i'm gonna humble brag about this on air for just a second i went back to little hope after we did the podcast and got the platinum trophy for that one um, oh nice 
yeah, it's a, <laughs> so I'm never going to play that game again because, <laughs> oh my <laughs> God, some of the, some of the paths you have to do in that are really specific and I'm pretty sure one of them is bugged, but, um, uh, I managed it and I think I'm going to go back and do the same thing with the quarry eventually because yeah, I enjoyed this game a lot. I definitely, um, I definitely want to re- re- experience it again. And then the trophy list, uh, does sort of encourage doing multiple paths. Like the, like I got a trophy for everyone surviving. There's a trophy for everyone dying. I got a trophy for, uh, getting every QTE correct when Nick is escaping mm-hmm. from the werewolf. Uh, there's, a tr- or- there's a trophy for getting every combat encounter right, which I think means you have to turn Emma into a werewolf because I didn't get it on my run, even though I passed all the combat encounters that I did find. So <clears throat> I, I didn't get every single combat encounter just right because I think I missed a shotgun shot once. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it but it didn't affect me having everyone survive. Uh, yeah. I, I also did not get all the tarot cards or all the clues. Um, there's sometimes you have to choose one path over another that I think like that that re- forces you to miss a clue or a card now and then. So I, I don't know if I'm going to go back and do that for this game because I don't really do that for very many games at all. Like, oh, geez, the last time I, I went trophy hunting was... I think Trials of Mana in 2020, but that's also one of my favorite games of all time. So like, yeah, like, right. I, 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 yeah, I don't. I so I don't really do a lot of trophy hunting. But if I were to do that for a super massive game, this would be the one because I think it's consistently fun and well written and interesting. And uh, and uh, for me, who does not play a lot of horror games, I mean, that's about as good as it's going to get. Like I, I, like no matter how much Stephen Myrink or Rob Steinman bug me to play the Resident Evil 2 remake, that's probably ain't <laughs> happening. <laughs> but I, but I, but I might have more supermassive stuff in my future. Uh, I do have a copy of Man of Medan that was on sale a while ago. Oh yeah, we, we yeah we need to do a co-op run of that one because uh, yeah I want to I want to revisit that one too. Oh yeah, we can totally do that. Um, but I, I I think that's the legacy of this. Like uh, like supermassive has carved out a horror adventure niche for themselves, and uh, the quarry is a good one of those. And, and listeners, we've spoiled a lot of the quarry for you if you haven't already played it uh, at this podcast, but. If you haven't played it, maybe wait for a sale. I don't know if I want to, if I would blow a full seventy bones on this, but it, it's good. Like this is a a fun werewolves in a summer camp <laughs> horror adventure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely it's de- it's definitely worth experiencing for sure. Uh, so and so yeah, if you if you just like seeing uh pretty teenagers uh like kissing or not kissing, this, maybe this is a good game too. But okay, maybe if I'm <laughs> If I'm talking a little bit too much about kissing, then maybe it's time to end the episode. Um, uh, <laughs> listeners, uh, possibly you've listened to all four episodes of Autumn of Adventure that we've done for October of 2022. Um, we started out with Secret of Monkey Island, then moved on to The Wolf Among Us, then to Broken Age, and finally to The Quarry. The the the, the game title's getting shorter with each uh, with each episode, but the uh, but. Four genuinely entertaining, fun adventure games that I had not played before, and and really liked all four. Uh, no, no joke. Like this is this has been a very fun month for me, even though I did have to blaze through uh, four adventure games maybe a little bit faster than I would have if I didn't have a, <laughs> if I didn't have a podcast to produce. But uh, the future of Retro Encounter is very very clear. Um, this is episode three forty nine. So if my uh, algebra is right, the next episode is going to be 350. We have a special quiz show episode all planned out. Um, that episode, We're recording it really, really soon. So um, I'm probably going to be scratchy as hell on that episode as well. But uh, that episode is coming next week. I will not say what it, uh, exactly what it is, but I did have to do a little bit of preparation for it. Um, and But the rest of November 
is going to be the month of Mass Effect for just because N7, November, it fits. We're doing individual episodes on Mass Effects 1, 2, and 3. I have not finished Mass Effect 3 yet, but uh, we've already done the 1 and 2 episodes, and it has been super fun for me to revisit that uh, those games that I loved 10 years ago, and turns out I still love in 2022. So uh, look forward to Mass Effect in November after big episode 350. But if you want to if you contact us about adventure games or horror games or Mass Effect or anything else, the best way to do so is to email retro at rpgfan.com. You can also find RPG Fan on social media, such as our Facebook page, our Twitter page, our Instagram page, where we're rpgfan.com, our Discord server, our YouTube channel, our Twitch channel. Something going on every week on Twitch, almost every day. And all of those places are either RPG Fan or rpgfan.com. And if you visit rpgfan.com slash shop, you can get all kinds of RPG fan merch through a store hosted by T Public, including coffee mugs, shirts, hoodies, pins, and many other RPG fan branded things. Uh, there's also two other fine podcasts hosted by RPG Fan: Random Encounter every two weeks about randomness, Rhythm Encounter every other two weeks about RPG music. You can review Retro Encounter and those other two podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, however you listen to podcasts. Please give all the feedback that you choose to leave. Um, but if you want to give us feedback. As people and not as a podcast, um, Peter, tell the listeners how they can find you. Yeah, as always, listeners, if you want to follow my weird ramblings, you can follow me on Twitter at I Have Fury. If you have any inquiries about site stuff, um, you can just email me, Peter T at RPGFan.com. And listeners, if you want to find me on social media, the easiest way to do so is Twitter. I'm at The Real Monsoon most of the time, at Yoga for Dogs other times, and in RPG Fans Discord, I am Monsoon Mike. So, hmm. Peter, like, we talked about the soundtrack of this game a little bit. Like, what do you think was the missing piece? What would have been the way-too-on-the-nose song that could have been in this game but wasn't? Oh, uh, is there, like, a really obvious answer that I'm going to miss? Because I was going to pick something from Final Fantasy IV. No, no, no. No, we're not. No, I was going to go with Bark at the Moon by Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> Listeners, thank you. Good night and good luck. Good luck.